Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about this show and all of the programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got all your favorite NFL NBA, Major League Baseball, college teams covered. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Happy Monday, everybody. Wild card weekend is over, Matt. Some really good games to get into here. Tons of action. A couple of overtime contests. There is some other news around the league. There are some coaching changes. Jason Garrett officially now out in Dallas. I think there's going to be some more reporting on that as we go throughout the week. So Tuesday, later in the week, we'll get into that. We'll look ahead at the divisional round matchups. But first, we've got to cover everything that happened Saturday and Sunday on Wildcard Weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're, we're recording this right after Seattle beat the Eagles. So the, the, the games are all pretty fresh on our mind after a really competitive wildcard weekend. Most wildcard weekends, there's a blowout or two. But, man, I mean, all these were pretty tight. Uh, the team that I thought was the best of the eight, the Saints, end up falling. Both six seeds advance. So, yeah. A lot to digest. I mean, again, competitive games, and uh, I can't wait till next weekend already. Right. A couple of six seeds are in and advancing, and only one home team won. And yeah, I guess we right. Should, I didn't think of that, right? Yeah. Let's start there. Let's start with the Houston Texans who held on. They beat the Bills in Houston 22-19 in overtime and that was the first of two overtime games this weekend that was a really good one it was a thriller back and forth and by the way Matt my predictions not looking great here uh I, I was one for four over the course of the weekend yeah I gotta say I I put a couple ducats on the Titans money line and that was wonderful but other than that I did really poorly <laughs> you know I, I can't can't candy coat it at all yeah. I mean uh, I thought the Saints would win big. That didn't happen. Um, when it was all said and done, I will say I, th- I put a ducket or two on the Texans minus two and a half. But I went back and forth with that game. I forget what I actually picked on Friday. And, and you watch that game, uh, highly competitive. Again, I think Will Fuller being out is a big deal for this team. They didn't. Houston didn't score in the first half. I mean, this was what, like 13 nothing at the half? And then we saw some Watson heroics and Texans starting to make some plays and Allen making some questionable decisions and, you know, some of some of that coming out. But I, I feel like these teams are very equal. And I thought my prediction of the Buffalo Bills winning this one outright was looking good in the first half. You mentioned Heck it yeah. was uh, 13 nothing going into halftime. But then the Texans turned it on and when his back against the wall, uh, Deshaun Watson came up huge, made really big plays with the wow play maybe of the entire weekend. I don't know Houdini like escaping that sack making the play, finding his running back outlet, who uh, made a little play after the catch. Just a phenomenal comeback there for the Houston Texans to advance. And uh, Josh Allen, let's talk about Josh Allen. He ended up chucking the ball 46 times. What did you think about the young quarterback who uh, has been much argued about on Twitter about how good he actually is? How did you think Josh Allen played in this one? Yeah, it's funny because you know this one's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. So I just pulled up the box score to kind of refresh myself. And he said he threw it 46 times for 264, sprinkle in 92 rushing yards. 
But he had three or four plays that made you scratch your head. One in particular really stood out when he was like sideward shoveling it late in the game. Like, what are you doing? Um, I do think, though, I think he's going down the right path. I think they know who he is. I think that they don't want him to throw 46 times in a perfect world. They would like a box score like Watson's, which is 20 for 25 for 247, you know, a big player too in there. Um, But I think that they got their guy. I still have some questions, but fewer than ever. You know, I mean, I I never think he's going to be Drew Brees in terms of of accuracy and um, game management, but the big plays outweigh the bad. And it was not his arm early in the game that actually helped Buffalo jump out to that lead. He had a receiving touchdown, a 16-yard touchdown catch thrown by John Brown, a nice little toss there by John Brown. And then you mentioned the 92 rushing yards. He had the long 42-yarder, too. So uh, getting it done with his hands and his legs uh, and and that really gave him the lead and then when the teams really when it really came down to it and the team needed their quarterback to step up it was Deshaun Watson not Josh Allen that came to play and really went out and won that game for his team and I think that's really the thing I took away from this football game yeah I 100% agree I mean Watson certainly further along on that spectrum and especially if you go back to Clemson national title games as opposed to Allen playing Mm -hmm. at Wyoming and you know just their whole lineage I don't want to forget about, though, the pressure the Bills put Watson under, though. And it's something to worry about going forward, you know, for Houston's upcoming opponents. Um, but that that Bills pass rush really was ruling the day there for a while. Yeah, a really good Bills, just their entire defense. And yeah, uh, yeah. I thought Tredavious White did a really good job on DeAndre Hopkins, which was, I think, a big factor in that game and kept it close and really hurt. Texans in the first half Tremaine Edmonds is just such a monster and he's barely just scratching his potential because he's what 6'4 250 just running all over the place he had a sack tackle for loss uh, there was two sacks by Trent Murphy in that game who's just a really good try hard player he's been playing at a, at a high level for a long time Jerry Hughes getting after the quarterback he had three sacks in that game uh, four quarterback hits so just relentless defense there for Buffalo so they're going to be pretty good and, and be in a lot of football games for a long time with that defense and as Josh Allen gets better then that team can only get better from here yeah and I think the Bills are a good place I mean I don't see glaring needs they've been built the right way we'll spend a lot more time we're not talking about offseason needs and things yet right. but I'm pretty sure they have a lot of cap space like they might be back and you know we'll get the Patriots in a minute but and you don't have to squint too hard to say, boy, this could be the Bills division starting now. And obviously a well-coached team, which bodes well for yeah, for very. any organization. So the Bills in a good place, but they do not advance. It is the Texans who advance. They will play next Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, we will get into all of those divisional round playoff games later in the week. Three more games Last here. note, though, I just want sure. to mention, J.J. Watt was back. Yes. and. I need to go back and look at his snap counts, but I like the way that he was used, and I think he's going to be useful in Kansas City and maybe beyond. Who knows? I did see an official snap count. Let me see if I can find that really quick. It was 52 snaps. J.J. Watt played okay. 52 snaps after the torn peck in October, and it was announced actually that the 49ers are going to have Quan Alexander on the field next week, who tore his peck, same injury pretty much for Quan hmm. Alexander, and they happened about four or five days apart. So just, you know, a week further along is uh, Quan, and so he's going to play next week, and so we'll see if, if he's able to play a similar load, which is a big workload for J.J. Watt, and he was an impact player too. 
And that is kind of one cool thing about, I mean, the NFL is a war of attrition when it comes to injuries, but sometimes you get that guy back that was injured early in the year, this time of year to give you a little shot in the arm. Right. Just having him out there, I think was big. And you could tell how jacked up everybody was the team and him and his family and the crowd in Houston. And he basically said, look, I am going to either be okay and play through this and have a little bit of pain, or I'm going to tear the muscle off the bone, but I'm going to go out there and play. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of guy JJ Watt is. And I'm sure the team loved having him back. And I'm sure he enjoyed being back on the field. All right, we've got more to get to on this episode of Locked On 49ers. Let's hit Titans, Patriots next, then we'll hit the NFC matchups. One of the things that happens working with audio this much and spending a lot of time with podcasts and a crazy busy lifestyle is finding time to read. There's this incredible app that solves this problem. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or on your lunch break or while you exercise. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now. You get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on. That's one word, locked on. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash locked on. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. You called it, Matt. The Tennessee Titans moved on. They beat the Patriots in New England. The Titans playing at such a high level right now. Maybe the last game of Tom Brady's career. Is he going to go out with a loss? But 2013 Titans go into New England and beat the Patriots. Yeah, and my logic on Friday was, and again, I bet the money line on this one, so I feel feel pretty good, um, was 
I didn't think the Patriots were capable of just blowing their doors off, run away and hiding. I didn't think their offense was good enough for that, that this was going to be a close game, even if New England looked pretty potent. And my logic then was, boy, tackling Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter is going to get really old, and I think <laughs> he'll start busting off runs. Well, he started busting off runs from the beginning. Oh, wow. <laughs> and what an unbelievable player. And I, and I got in some debates with buddies, but very knowledgeable guys about, you know, is Henry the – best running back in football and somebody tweeted us and I forget who it was. And they weren't very nice about it because I think I said, he's not a top three running back last week yeah. and they weren't very kind about it. So I'm not going to acknowledge them anyway, <laughs> but I mean, he's a unique runner. I mean, I don't know how you compare him to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they both say RB next to their name, but they're nothing alike, but I can't remember anyone like him. I mean, even like a Jerome Bettis or an Earl Campbell. I mean, these just yeah. power backs. They're not, they're not built like him. They don't run like him in a straight line. I mean, it's he is a really unique guy, and it took me a long time to come around on him. But, boy, he's hard to play against. He's definitely a throwback. He would be somebody that would be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft if this were the 1970s, right? That, that's right, just exactly, right. He seems so like to Jim me. Brown highlights. You have to go back to O.J. Simpson and Eric Dickerson and Earl Campbell, like those, those big body guys who are just load carriers – 34 carries, 182 yards with a touchdown. And I remember talking about this game with you on Friday. And the reason I thought New England had this one was because obviously you have Tom Brady over there as your quarterback. But defensively, I thought, okay, look, they will be able to handle Ryan Tannehill. The clock's going to strike midnight on Ryan Tannehill at some point, and he's not going to blow up. And he completed eight passes for 72 yards. So they, you know, <laughs> right. they did it. 15 attempts. They did pretty well on him. And then the rookie, A.J. Brown, he wasn't running wild. He caught one pass. So I thought, okay, that's exactly what the Patriots would do limit them and then go out and win a close football game. But the guy they didn't limit was Derrick Henry. And he went for 182 yards. And uh, I thought, no way he's going to be running wild through that defense and into the second level like he's back at Alabama and he did 34 carries 182 yards he was absolutely the MVP of that game and he was the difference and he's the reason that the New England Patriots are going to be home next weekend right I mean there's a lot of things you can look at and I'm sitting here looking at penalties turnovers time of possession and you would think boy all those things must have really favored the Titans they did slightly but not by leaps and bounds it was just tackling this unbelievably crazy gifted man over and over just wasn't enough that they couldn't keep up, you know, and the Patriots have issues. And like we've talked about with other teams, we will talk about off season stuff. And I have a feeling this is going to be the off season of new England that where the, the ball, the Brady Belichick, McDaniels talk is going to flood our ear holes too much. So I don't want to go down that path now. But I, it's, I think times are tough for, the, for the, the, the Pats, and I think we could have seen this one coming for the first time. I wasn't sure how good Derrick Henry was going to be in the NFL. I just wasn't sure if his style still played these days, and he's a little bit top-heavy, and he's so big, and obviously uh, yeah. that has absolutely played, and it seems like he's only getting better into his, what is this, that was, this is his third, is this his third year? Fourth year now in the NFL. I think so, yeah. Anyway, uh, but the other thing that, 
won this game for the Titans was their defense and specifically their front seven, which is really nasty. Uh, we talked about the Bills defense. I think the Titans defense is is right on par with them. Rashawn Evans all over the place, 10 tackles. He had some big tackles for loss of that, sure that uh, goal line stand. He had two amazing plays just showing off his range and his tackling ability and his ability to sniff out the ball. Jayon Brown got banged up a little bit in that game. He's a really underrated linebacker. I love Harold Landry developing, coming off the edge as a pass rusher, but also showing that he can hold it up even though he's a smaller defensive end, hold up on the edge on his own. And he was a big part uh, of holding up against offensive tackles and pushing runs back into the inside. And Jeffrey Simmons is such a monster inside. They've got a really, really nasty front seven in Tennessee. Yeah, and pretty much all you those guys you mentioned were early picks. They're hitting on those guys. I think this is a really up-and-coming, strong organization, much like Buffalo. I mean, I think it's a well-coached team. They know who their quarterback is. They work well around them to their strengths and weaknesses. They build around these guys well. Um, solid foundation to both the Titans and Bills that should be – I don't think they're going away soon in the AFC. And the Titans will play the Saturday night game next week, and they will be hosting the one, or they will be on the road against the one seed Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the Titans are as hot as anybody right now, but they might run into the brick wall there in Baltimore. That's going to be a fun game Saturday night. Absolutely, but maybe we see a lot of clips of Lamar holding his helmet on the sidelines as Henry's just rumbling in a <laughs> in a night nasty game. Maybe there's weather. I think the Titans can hang with anyone. I, I got to think about that game a heck of a lot more, but the Ravens aren't great versus run, and that's where it all starts here, of course. Let's move on to the NFC, and we had another overtime game to kick off Sunday, and that was the Minnesota Vikings. The biggest shocker to me this weekend was this is the one that I thought could be the blowout, and it would have been in the other direction with the Saints at home beating the Vikings, but no, Minnesota goes on the road, Beats the Saints in New Orleans, twenty-six to twenty. The Saints, the the Superdome is supposed to be the place. Like this is where nobody wants to go in the playoffs. And the Vikings just went in there and beat the Saints. The 49ers went in the regular season and beat the Saints. The Falcons went into the Superdome and beat the Saints in the regular season. So, at this point, it's like, is is home field even an advantage anymore? Maybe not. Yeah, and this is third year in a row that they've lost in depressing or tragic fashion. I want to address the call at the end, you know, the Rudolph touchdown push off, whatever. Um, It bothered me that they didn't review that. I mean, it was a full straight arm to the guy's chest and it wouldn't have broke my heart if they reviewed it and said the play stands, I could have said, okay, but to not review it in that situation and I don't care that it's the Saints necessarily because they were the ones that paid last year, but that's what the rule was for. That bothered me a lot. Like, at least look at it, talk it over, and tell everyone to stop celebrating for a couple minutes. But I thought it was an offensive PI. I didn't think it was a jump-off-the-page offensive PI, though. When you slow it down and you look at it, and if they reviewed it and you look at it in slow motion and you get all the angles, it's like, yeah, what, what's not going to be PI? But it... At a mm-hmm. certain point, I'm glad it wasn't called on the field. I'm almost glad it wasn't reviewed, and I would hope that those plays in the future just wouldn't be penalties because it's just a jump ball situation. The The Saints defender, the first thing he did was immediately go make contact with Kyle Rudolph, and so there was just contact from the very beginning of that play. It's like, okay, go make contact. Made the best man come down with the ball, and that was Kyle Rudolph. In that, and If I was commissioner of the NFL, basically what I'd be trying to do is cut penalties 
by 50% just to make a better yeah, NFL it. product. You know, so the more you review, the more you look at stuff, the more ticky tack you get, the more difficult it makes things on the refs, the more you're reviewing everything and then everything becomes a penalty and then you're playing for the penalty. You know, I don't want it to become the NBA where it's like James Harden, where his game is getting to the free throw line. You don't want to see the games end on the free throw line. You know, you want to see the players on the field go win it. And I think the the Vikings did in this case. And I completely understand why Saints fans would just be bumming and super mad. And I get that. And and, and it's 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 more about how the NFL has put this into position where it's so ticky tack and everything's a foul. And if that's the case, then you have to call that a foul. Then you have to review it. And it has to be offensive PI because he definitely extended the arm and, and pushed off and, and made the catch because of it. Yeah. And for the most part, I'm hundred percent with you. I mean, fewer flags are better is my, is the, 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 where I'm going with this. And I didn't mean to bring that up from, I'm mad because I bet on the saints and thought they were going to win. I mean, the Vikings were clearly the better team on this day. I wasn't super impressed with Breeze. I loved the use of Taysom Hill here and there. That Breeze fumble was a bad one, too, and a backbreaker. Yep. But there was a player, too, that Breeze wasn't on the field because of Hill, and I have mixed feelings about that overall. They kind of ran the ball well. They kind of threw the ball well. Vikings got some pressure when it mattered most. And it wasn't to the, the Henry degree, but I thought Cook, and to a much lesser degree, Madison, really controlled this game from the start, eight yards a pop, six yards a pop, four, 12, you know, just keep moving the chains, always putting Cousins in a good down and distance situation. And he played a good game. I made a huge throw at the end. Um, can finally hopefully erase some demons of this guy can't win anything that matters. I mean, I've said all along that's unfair, yeah. but this was their formula. One of the big keys to this game that we had talked about Friday was the Minnesota Vikings defensive line against a good New Orleans offensive line. And I think it yeah. was clear. Maybe the, the number one factor in the Vikings winning this game was Danielle Hunter, one and a half sacks, Everson Griffin, one and a half sacks. They, I think, easily won the matchup against Tron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick and the New Orleans Saints offensive line. They got to Drew Brees. They caused the fumble, which was a killer on one drive. And then the the Saints even got the ball back, and Drew Brees had the opportunity to go out there and, and and win it, and he still wasn't able to do it, and they ended up kicking the field goal instead, going into overtime, and then of course he mentioned and probably the best throw of Kirk Cousins' pro career at this point. There's there's been a couple moments yeah. he's had, but to go out and win your first playoff game, the the throw before the Rudolph touchdown, so all of those things even before the Rudolph touchdown and whether or not it was a penalty or not, those were the things that really won the game for Minnesota. They gave, they had a goal-to-go situation in overtime. They were going to win that game most likely. So Kirk Cousins making the throw, getting the monkey off his back, winning a playoff game in that pass rush from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, giving Drew Brees all he can handle. Yeah, great points. Um, I it, It's only one play, but it was a huge play from Cousins to Thielen. And Thielen's been very quiet since coming back, so I'm wondering, is he starting to come into his own again, be the player we saw post, you know, before his injury? That would be huge for the Vikes next round. They could really use a second option. You know, Diggs was really frustrated early in this game, too. He wasn't getting the ball, and then the squeaky wheel started to show up a little bit. And then Lattimore's pissed on the side. At first, it was Diggs pissed on the sideline. Then it was Lattimore pissed. And I, I, that was an odd play. He, like, stopped his feet and stopped running. And yeah. I don't know what 
what he was thinking there. Was he thinking the safety was going to come over? Odd situation for the Saints, but give the Vikes credit to go into that environment, that hostile. I mean, for Zimmer, Cousins, all the leaders, uh, they had a very strong mentality there, too. That's a mentally tough win. All right, we're getting short on time here. There's one more game for us to go over. Uh, Let's step aside quickly, come back, talk. Philadelphia Eagles, the eternally banged up Philadelphia Eagles, and the Seattle Seahawks. I haven't gotten any updates on Carson Wentz, but obviously a team coming in as banged up as any team in the NFL into the playoffs. Amazing what the Eagles have been able to do to go win the East, get into the playoffs with all the injuries they've had, running back, multiple wide receivers, lacerated kidney. You could tell he wasn't 100% Zach Ertz at, uh, at tight end. And then you go out there and you lose your quarterback on a play that a lot of Eagles fans are going to call dirty by Jadavian Clowney. Mad that he didn't get the penalty. Mad that some people saying he should have been ejected, falling on Carson Wentz's head. But knocking Wentz out of the game, concussion, he was not able to return. And obviously there goes your hopes because, I mean, you were hanging on by a thread if you were the Eagles already. But then you lose your quarterback on top of everything else, and it was just going to be too difficult. And McCown played well. I mean, (laughs) all things considered – getting thrust into this action without much in the way of receivers. Clowney breathing down your neck left and right. The Seattle pass rush was the best it's been for sure all year. I hope the story in Philly isn't Carson Wentz's glass Joe. We can't count on him. He's hurt all the time. He's no good. we got to get another quarterback. Uh, you know that town can be a little harsh from time to time. And I get that he's been hurt, but – I mean, are we going to blame Wentz for the, that injury? I, I hope not. Uh, and, again, I am a Wentz defender. Um, I mentioned last segment, you know, the, the Vikings with a mentally tough win on the road. Boy, Seattle embodies that. I mean, you knew that Philadelphia wasn't going to be too big for Carroll and Wilson and company. But I also thought Philly deserved a lot of credit in that same regard, too. I mean, this was an uh, ugly early Rocky fight before he became champ, just slugging it out and you know nothing real coming easy. Neither one ready to quite fall, but not a lot of talent in the ring at the time. You know what I mean? Like I give the Eagles for even being in this one, all things considered quite a bit of credit as well. Um, Seattle, I mean, Wilson, Clowney, their stars showed up, Lockett to some degree, Metcalf, Collinsworth kept raving about Metcalf yeah. and uh, it's hard to argue with them. Yeah, seven catches for 160 yards and the long touchdown for DK Metcalf. He's He looked like a monster out there showing up big, did the rookie in the playoffs. Marshawn Lynch, he only gained seven yards on six carries, but he had a really big run uh, taking on multiple tacklers, diving into the end zone and, and getting the, the Seahawks' second score there. Russell Wilson had a nice day, throwing it 30 times, connecting 18 for 325 and a touchdown. And... Josh McCown, yeah, his not his line is actually not bad. 18 of 24, 174 yards, but obviously came up a little bit short. Uh, that didn't love the fourth down play that that really ended it there at the end of the fourth quarter, where he tried no. to scramble away and it's like meh. It just sort of ended with a uh, ended with a dud where you thought, ah, oh, maybe they're going to get there and have a chance at a two point conversion and and tie this thing up and maybe we'd see another overtime game. But it was not to be. The Seahawks were obviously the better team, just more talent despite them being a little bit banged up. And, and you mentioned it. Their stars came to play. 
their second round draft pick that they traded up to get and DK Metcalf was huge and Russell Wilson was great in this game and obviously Jadavian Clowney when he's motivated and when the lights are on he seems to have his best games and, and he was he was tough to block yeah he was he was great seven sacks for the, the Seahawks wow that's like a tongue twister um uh, I did not see that coming at all I mean I, you could have told me boy Clowney caused problems but I thought for sure that the the Eagles passer would have some time would have some some function more room in the pocket and I do think it's noteworthy though too and the Eagles D deserves some credit Fletcher Cox and company did a did quite a uh, yeoman's work here to keep this in closer as long as they did but Seattle's bread and butter for better or worse I mean 25 carries 26 carries for 64 yards on this day um kind of like we talked about last week with the locked on Seahawks host they're more dangerous throwing it to Metcalf than Lockett than they are handing it to Homer. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Put it in Russell Wilson's hands or on his feet. He had nine carries, so uh, he's the only guy that, what, Homer was 1.1 yards per carry? And yeah, 11 Marshawn for 12. Lynch was 1.2 <laughs> yards was per carry. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, put it in Wilson's hands. That's, I mean, if you're the Seahawks right now, how can you not live or die by Russell Wilson and what he's able to do for you? See how far he can take you because that's your only um, that's your only recipe for going and, and trying to win a title with the rest of the NFC right now. And the Seahawks are going to go all the way up north into Green Bay to face the Packers because the six seed Vikings beat New Orleans. So six versus one seed, that's Vikings 49ers next week. And then it's the Seahawks now going all the way up to play against the Green Bay Packers. And, and we'll definitely talk about more of those matchups. Um, there, there's going to be some good ones for sure. Probably the best weekend of football, in my opinion, in the NFL. There, there's some good ones, but the divisional round is so awesome because you get all four games and it's just a little bit. The ante's up just a little bit from the wild card weekend, and, and I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm kind of excited the AFC is not going to have – Manning, Big Ben, Brady, you know, uh, right. the NFC is not going to have Breeze, you know, like there could be some new people, you know, representing their prospective conferences, certainly will be in the AFC, a lot of young up and coming teams showing themselves well this weekend. So that was fun to see. Absolutely. And even in the loss, one thing I do want to mention, and this was also something that was brought up on Twitter with some people that had some problems with how you rank the coaches. And we were talking about coach of the year candidates. And I think you've got to give some credit to Doug Peterson with all they had yes. lost and with their 40 year old quarterback, Josh McCown, coming in and being within potentially a score in the fourth quarter of tying this game up that I, they did a pretty good job. So you got to the last thing we should do probably on this episode is, is shout out Doug Peterson and the job their staff did to to get the Eagles in a place where they could make it to the playoffs period and win the East and then be in this football game. Yeah. I mean, really for this uh, shout out to him for this whole last month or five weeks or so didn't play great teams along the way, but didn't have much at their disposal either. I mean, just hurdle after hurdle with injuries. And I think this is a very strong organization too. They're not going away soon. All right, more to come this week on Locked On NFL. We will break down all of the matchups coming up in the divisional round of the playoffs. We will get into the coaching carousel that's happening around the league, the Cowboys situation, Jason Garrett officially out. We will hit that in depth on Tuesday's episode and, of course, have some fantastic guests coming up for you this week. Locked On NFL.